Welcome to Day 296 of Shaped by the Word, Season 2, The Drama of Scripture. Paul Camp here with Matt Kresge, David Keefe, and Cindy Camp mm-hmm. uh, as we continue through the Gospel of Matthew. And of course, we're seeing so many of the rich Old Testament images that we've read about throughout the year, you know, coming to focus in the person of Christ, especially as he comes into the temple riding on a colt, he clears out the temple. And of course, the crowds uh, are crying out to him, blessing is the one who comes in the name of the Lord, blesses the coming of the son of David. And so you have a lot of these mes- you know, messianic images, you know, coming uh, together. And of course, the tension is growing. Uh, the more the crowds acclaim Jesus, the more the Pharisees uh, are moved in the opposite direction. Their opposition grows. And you, so you see, and in, in many of the parables, we'll have a confrontation with uh, with the leaders of the day or with the status quo uh, as we continue um, continue this final week of Jesus' life in the Gospel of Matthew in the city of Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. So we are in chapter 21 still. We'll pick up our reading at verse 33. But before we do, we always we always pause and, and realize that uh, we're not just reading a text or reading a story or checking off a box in our discipleship journey. We're, we're, we're pausing to, uh, to hear from God and to respond to God uh, as we hear from Him. So, David, do you mind uh, lifting us up in prayer before we read? No, let's pray. And Father, we do thank you for your word, and, and we ask your forgiveness for the times we've neglected your word or chosen other things over your word. And we ask now that as we look to your scriptures, that this living and active word would do a deep work in us, uh, renew us, restore us, uh, convict us. And ultimately, Father, may you um, open the eyes of our hearts to see and behold Christ, um, the real Jesus of, of the Bible. And in that, may we be strengthened and, and may we um, have a deep desire to live and, and to be your people. And we ask you to do all this uh, for your glory and for our joy. We pray it all in the name of Jesus. Amen. Matthew twenty-one thirty-three. Listen to another parable. There's a landowner who planted a vineyard. He put a wall around it, dug a wine press in it, and built a watchtower. Then he went into the vineyard to some farmers and moved to another place. When the harvest time approached, he sent his servants to the tenants to collect his fruit. The tenants seized the servants. They beat one, killed another, and stoned the third. And sent other servants to them more than the first time. The tenants treated them the same way. Last of all, he sent his son to them. They'll respect my son, he said. But when the tenants saw the son, they said to each other, This is the heir. Come, let's kill him and take his inheritance. So they took him and threw him out of the vineyard and killed him. Therefore, when the owner of the vineyard comes, what will he do to those tenants? He will bring those wretched, uh, wretches to a wretched end, they replied. And he will rent the vineyard to other tenants who will give him his share of the crop at harvest time. Jesus said to them, Have you ever read the scriptures? The stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. The Lord has done this and it is marvelous in our eyes. Therefore, I tell you that the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people who will produce its fruit. Anyone who falls on this stone will be broken to pieces. Anyone on whom it falls will be crushed. When the chief priests and the Pharisees heard Jesus' parable, they knew he was talking about them. They looked for a way to arrest him, but they were afraid of the crowd because the people held that he was a prophet. Jesus spoke to them again in parables, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a king who prepared a wedding banquet for his son. 
He sent his servants to those who had been invited to the banquet to tell them to come, but they refused to come. Then he sent some more servants and said, Tell those who have been invited that I have prepared my dinner. My oxen, my fattened cattle have been butchered, and everything is ready. Come to the wedding banquet. But they paid no attention and went off. One to his field, another to his business. The rest seized his servants, mistreated them, and killed them. The king was enraged. He sent his army and destroyed those murderers and burned their city. Then he said to his servants, The wedding banquet is ready, but those I invited did not deserve to come. So go to the street corners and invite to the banquet anyone you find. So the servants went out into the streets and gathered all the people they could find, bad as well as the good, and the wedding hall was filled with guests. But when the king came in to see the guest, he noticed a man there was not wearing wedding clothes. He asked, How'd you get in here without wedding clothes, friend? The man was speechless. Then the king told the attendants, Tie him hand and foot and throw him outside in the darkness where there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are invited, but few are chosen. Uh, two very poignant uh, uh, parables. I, I, I almost chuckle a little bit when he said uh, you know, they knew he was talking about them. It would be hard to make it more explicit that he was you know, talking about them. And of course, uh, there's some, you know, so there's some exaggerated, you know, elements, you know, to these, you know, to these parables, but it does show both the simplicity of what they're doing and the severity of what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the, the Pharisees are not only uh, rejecting, you know, uh, the messengers, you know, that God has sent and the Son, but they are seizing the kingdom for themselves. Mm-hmm. And really, that's you know kind of at the heart of our idolatries. Either, either we have a king, you know, who, who we have anointed and crowned in king in our life, or, or we are trying to seize the, the throne ourselves. So while our actions are not as severe as the the Pharisees, you know, in, in this particular week of Jesus' life, there is that same tendency for us to want our own kingdom and for us to put ourselves at the center. Uh, of the kingdom rather than realizing who the real king is and to whom our real homage is due. And that's what we've seen in this entire chapter is the people have failed to rightly respond to the true king, the one who comes in and begins to judge, you know, judge the temple, judge the fruit, you know, judge the religious leaders and here the vineyard. Mm -hmm. I mean, what we're we're seeing, anyone's reading knows, you know, they knew exactly what he's talking about because the Old Testament's filled with, you know, images that Israel is the vineyard of God. And and so here you have just this these messages of judgment because the people have failed to respond rightly to the true king and they've sought their own kingdom rather than God's kingdom. And, and so you just have this these messages of, of judgment um, and Jesus saying, you're, you're missing it. More than missing it. Yeah. And just kind of fascinating how, you know, we've been making our way through kind of the whole narrative of scripture and then here in you know a very short and succinct parable jesus kind of tells us the whole history of scripture you know leading up to himself and his arrival as as the son that many before him have been rejected and killed and there's yet to be the people who've borne the fruit that god desires and then here comes the son and even again kind of foreshadowing you know his death um at the hands of those who were supposed to be the ones bearing the fruit and even that little irony at the end of that parable you know as you mentioned earlier paul you know in the parable they take the son and kind of get rid of him and they're so upset at jesus's words they think of a way to go get him and, and get rid of him you know and so it's just like they're doing exactly what he just spoke about and, and they're still so blind to even see it 
No, it, it is, uh, it, and you're right. This is the story of Israel and Minotaur. Uh, you know that uh, they they've been given this wonderful gift of uh, you know a beautiful vineyard. You know that God prepared for them, and they immediately seize ownership of it as if it were theirs. And there are messengers sent, and then they, finally there is a son sent, and you know and it's rejected. And of course, then you move to the wedding banquet and. You know, you talk about the fattened oxen and the feast that's prepared, and who wouldn't want to go to that? Who wouldn't want to be a part of that? Uh, and, and yet, uh, everybody is indifferent, you know, to the offer of the banquet, you know, that God has, you know, that God has laid before them. And so, you know, God moves past them, you know, just to going out in, into the streets and compelling people. And of course, you, you like that. Uh, you know, both good and bad. Yeah. You know, uh, they're they're for good and bad people of the kingdom, mostly bad. But anyway, uh, you know, it, it, as you look at it, and then then finally, there's there's one who's invited in, but he's not properly clothed, which you know takes us all the way back, you know, to the image of the garden, mm-hmm. where as soon as uh, we were covered in sin and shame, God clothed us, mm-hmm. and as soon as you know the temple was restored. Uh, you know, God said to give a new set of clothes to the priest, you know, to come with a new beginning. And, of course, Paul will take up this image, uh, you know, in the New Testament when he says, clothe yourself, you know, with, with Christ Jesus. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it's not the uh, the call of being good or bad nearly as much as it is being clothed in Christ mm-hmm. in spite of our sin mm-hmm. and our badness. And what are just... In the parable of the wedding banquet, as you talked about, yeah, you know, the fattened calf, it's been butchered, and, you know, we're in Central Texas, we love good barbecue, and so there's, <laughs> we love a good, and this is being so wonderful, and yet they exchange this wonderful invitation, you know, for my field, or my business, and, you know, they just, they, they pay no attention, they went no. off, and just, we exchange the wonderful invitation of the Father to be invited into this wonderful kingdom for Things that I guess at the time seem so important. Well, it's my field, or it's my business, or it's Top. it's this, or it's that. And then yet, it in mm-hmm. hindsight, it's it's falls so short of of, of the offer of the Father. And, and of course, that's a, a common gospel theme. You know, that's highlighted in this that uh, we are so caught up in the things of the world that we miss the things of mm-hmm. God. Mm-hmm. And a very serious indictment. And what I see too is. Um, who are these people that are being invited in? But I see, you know, in verse 44, where it kind of goes back to, you know, prophecy and, and, of course, Christ, when it says, anyone who falls on this stone will be broken to pieces. Anyone on whom it falls will be crushed. And when I see that broken to pieces, you know, I, I have I think of the Sermon on the Mount, and blessed are those who mourn, and I realize that it's it's the broken people who have, you know, who understand that they cannot do anything for themselves, that are comforted and that are received. And then just seeing the word crush, you and I that immediately makes me think of yeah. how you know the savior will will crush the head right. of the serpent. So there's a couple of ways to read that, and, and, and the way you're reading it is the way I read it as well. That you can fall on the stone and be broken, or the stone can fall on you and crush you. Right. And uh, that is, you know, the kind of the righteousness of God either brings us to a place of being broken, or it will finally uh, be the source of our, our brokenness. And yeah. that is, you know, what is you know what is what is happening here that they have rejected the stones. And this is the stone that God has chosen to be, you know, the chief cornerstone. Yeah. And I love that. And it's marvelous mm-hmm. in, his, in, in our eyes. And it is good. It is. You know, we talk about it a lot here, too, that 
you know, Jesus is constantly demonstrating and pointing us to how the scriptures point to him. You know, and here's another yeah. one of those places mm-hmm. when he's talking to, you know, the chief priests and the Pharisees in the parable of the tenants, he says, you know, have you not read in the scriptures? And mm-hmm. then he quotes, you know, the, if you've read rightly, you would see that this points to me. Mm-hmm. And so it's just another one of those instances we see where Jesus is, you know, highlighting and upholding the Old Testament, but then showing us its its true meaning in him. Yeah, so good. Matt, why don't you um, close us with a word of prayer? Yeah, let's pray. Father, we thank you for the grace we have in Christ Jesus. We thank you um, for the, the mercy that is extended to us and um, for the joy that we find in him. And, and Father, we confess that we are um, too often like those who are caught up in our business or fields or, or just things of life, and we miss out on the things of, of you. Um, and so, Father, we mm-hmm. we confess that to you. We, we repent of those things, and we ask that you would um, continue to reorient our hearts to the kingdom. Uh, Father, we thank you that you are kind to do so. Continue to, to draw us near to you. Continue to be with us. Continue to transform us into the image of Christ. Uh, Father, we love you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for timing it together. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen.